and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar. You know, the more I study the Bible, the more I realize that every single book from Genesis to Revelation all point to Jesus. In the Old Testament, Jesus is predicted. In the New Testament, he is revealed, preached, explained, and expected. You find him everywhere because Jesus is the hero of the entire Bible. I've covered most of the New Testament, and you can find those studies on my blog. This next series is a hunt for Jesus in the Old Testament. It's how God's story becomes our story when we invite him into our lives. It will help us get to know God better, more intimately. And that's what he wants. He wants a relationship with us. Yes, you and me. I pray that as you hear this message, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart, eyes, and mind to study what his spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Let's dig in. Jesus in Numbers Part 7. Purify yourselves to be in the presence of God. God doesn't ask much of us, just obedience, trust, and purity. Unfortunately, as humans, that is very difficult for us. Emotions and personal feelings get in the way, as do pride, greed, and all the seven deadly sins. This is what happened to the Israelites as well as Moses and Edward. Already the Israelites grumbled, rebelled, and disobeyed. Now they are doomed to wander the desert until the older generation is dead and the younger generation is old enough. These next chapters of Numbers are important because they point to Jesus as the only way to purify us enough to enter God's presence in heaven. Let's dig in. We're in number 17. We have the budding of Aaron's staff. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to bring you 12 wooden staffs, one from each leader of Israel's ancestral, ancestral tribes and inscribe each leader's name on his staff. Inscribe Aaron's name on the staff of the tribe of Levi, for there must be one staff for the leader of each ancestral tribe. Place these staffs in the tabernacle in front of the ark containing the tablets of the covenant where I meet with you. Buds will sprout on the staff belonging to the man I choose. Then I will finally put an end to the people's murmuring and complaining against you. So Moses gave the instructions to the people of Israel, and each of the 12 tribal leaders, including Aaron, brought Moses a staff. Moses placed the staffs in the Lord's presence in the Tabernacle of the Covenant. When he went into the Tabernacle of the Covenant the next day, he found that Aaron's staff, representing the tribe of Levi, had sprouted, budded, and blossomed, and produced ripe almonds. When Moses brought all the staffs out from the Lord's presence, he showed them to the people. Each man claimed his own staff, and the Lord said to Moses, place Aaron's staff permanently before the Ark of the Covenant to serve as a warning to rebels. This should put an end to their complaints against me and prevent any further deaths. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. Then the people of Israel said to Moses, look, we are doomed. We are dead. We are ruined. Everyone who even comes close to the tabernacle of the Lord dies. Are we all doomed to die? Yes, we are all doomed to die. That's the deadly virus we are all stricken with. However, 
where our souls end up is a choice you make while you're still living on earth. Let's go on. Numbers 18, duties of the priests and Levites. God set the tribe of the Levites apart to be priests and special temp temple tabernacle assistants. No one else could enter the tabernacle, especially the holies of holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was. There, was. there were special rules for the Levites as well as how they would be supported. So you can read them all in detail in Numbers 18, but I will summarize. So they had the privilege of serving the Lord in the temple. They were in charge of the holy offerings. They could eat food from the holy and sacred offerings as well as partake of the harvest gifts. They did not receive any land. They would be allotted a house in each tribe's area, and we'll see this in the book of Joshua. And they got paid from a tithe of the tithe. That the tithe was 10% of the income, so they they got 10% of the offering. So so each person paid 10% of whatever they made. Um, so if they got paid for selling something, they would have to give 10% to the to the temple. Um, so the priests got 10% of that. Continuing, numbers 19, purification. So remember that 14,950 people died because they were afraid to trust God to enter the promised land? Yes, those are a lot of bodies to deal with. And if a Jew touches a dead body, they are unclean and cannot enter the tabernacle to present their offerings to God. They aren't purified. So let's see what the Lord tells them to do. So we're in Numbers 19. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, here is another legal requirement commanded by the Lord. Tell the people of Israel to bring you a red heifer, a perfect animal that has no defects and has never been yoked to a plow. Give it to Eleazar the priest and it will be taken outside the camp and slaughtered in his presence. Eleazar will take some of its blood on his finger and sprinkle it seven times towards the front of the tabernacle. As Eleazar watches, the heifer must be burned, its hide, meat, blood, and dung. Eleazar the priest must then take a stick of cedar, a hyssop branch, and some scarlet yarn and throw them into the fire where the heifer is burning. Then the priest must watch, wash his clothes and bathe himself in water. Afterward, he may return to the camp, though he will remain ceremonially unclean until evening. The man who burns the animal must also wash his clothes and bathe himself in water, and he too will be made unclean until evening. Then someone who is ceremonially clean will gather up the ashes of the heifer and deposit them in a purified place outside the camp. They, they will be kept there for the community of Israel to use in the water for the purification ceremony. This ceremony is performed for the removal of sin. The man who gathers up the ashes of the heifer must also wash his clothes and he will remain ceremonially unclean until the evening. This is a permanent law for the people of Israel and any foreigners who live among them. All those who touch a dead human body will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. They must purify themselves on the third and seventh day with the water of purification. Then they will be purified. But if they do not do this on the third and seventh day, they will continue to be unclean even after the seventh day. All those who touch a dead body and do not purify themselves 
in the proper way to file the Lord's tabernacle and they will be cut off from the community of Israel. Since the water of purification was not sprinkled on them, their defilement continues. This is a, a ritual law that applies when someone dies inside a tent. All those who enter that tent and those who were inside when the death occurred will be ceremonial, ceremonially unclean for seven days. Any open container in the tent that was not covered with a lid is also defiled. And if someone in an open field touches the corpse of someone who was killed with a sword or who died a natural death, or if someone touches a human bone or a grave, that person will be defiled for seven days. To remove the defilement, put some of the ashes from the burnt purification offering in a jar and pour fresh water over them. Then someone who was ceremonially clean must take a hyssop branch and dip it into the water. That person must sprinkle the water on the tent and all the furnishings of the tent and on the people who were in the tent. Also on the person who touched a human bone or touched someone who was killed or who died naturally or touched a grave. On the third and seventh days, the person who was ceremonially clean must sprinkle the water on those who are defiled. Then on the seventh day, the people being cleansed must wash their clothes and bathe themselves, and that evening they will be cleansed of their defilement. But those who became defiled do not purify themselves, will be cut off from the community, for they have defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. Since the water of purification has not been sprinkled on them, they remain defiled. This is a permanent law for the people. Those who sprinkle the water of purification must afterward wash their clothes, and anyone who then touches the water used for purification will remain defiled until evening. Anything and anyone that a defiled person touches will be ceremonially unclean until evening. Wow, that's tiring. Oh, so a heifer is a cow that has never given birth. So sin-soiled people cannot enter heaven. We read in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. We're in Hebrews 9 and we're starting in verse 13. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. Then he said, this blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Jesus' blood is our new covenant. When Jesus died for us on the cross, his blood purified us from all our sin. We are forgiven of our sins, past, present, and future because of Jesus' sacrifice. We can enter the presence of God in heaven. You can enter heaven only once you believe, repent, are baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. So believe. 
have faith that Jesus is the Christ and he died taking your sins away forever. Repent of your sins. Stop sinning. Do a complete 180 degree turn in your life and surrender your life to him. Part of the purification process, okay? Can't sin and still, you know, be want to be in the presence of Christ. Be baptized, okay? Show the world and yourself that you have died to your old life and are born again in Christ. And this is the water of purification now. Then receive the Holy Spirit in your heart. And the thing is that um, the, you are your body is now a temple of the Holy Spirit. So your body has to remain pure. And believe me, even after you're you're born again and you're baptized, if you sin, the Holy Spirit is going to tell you, it's going to convict you, and, and and you know until you you know ask for forgiveness and realize what you did and stop doing it, okay, you're going to have this this heavy feeling in your heart because um, you you have defiled the temple of God, which is your body, which is. Um, the Holy Spirit, once you receive the Holy Spirit, once you accept Jesus as um, your Savior. And how you do that, you invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift and confident hope of eternal life. If you don't know what to say, if you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click on where it says, invite Jesus into your heart. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.